This is a Cross and Crown Church production. For other resources, please visit crosscrownchurch.com. Book title, The Kingdom Driven Life. Author, Sunday at Elijah. Published by Cornerstone Publishing. Copyright 2015. Narrated by Jason Garwood. Chapter 9. The Presentation of the Nations Back to the Kingdom. Then the seventh angel sounded. And there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Revelation 11.15 It is my prayer, as you have finished reading the previous chapters and praying the prayers included there with me, that God has done a work in your heart. My burden is that believers everywhere will be challenged to discover their promised land and find the fulfillment and fruitfulness God ordained for you. And for those who are working in their harvest field, I pray that your eyes will be open to greater possibilities than you have imagined possible. To that end, I want to share a little of my journey with you to encourage you that no one is more unlikely candidate than I for reaping a harvest among the nations. The heartbeat of God burns with longing for the redemption of every individual. He longs to see families and communities restored to the kingdom of God to experience the depths of his love and to be filled with the glory of God. But his great heart of love cannot be satisfied until he sees the nations that he loves bowing in worship before him. Listen to the cry of his heart in these prophetic words of Scripture. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the nations. Psalm 22, 27-28 God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on earth. Psalm 67, 1 and 2 and verse 4. So many Christians are struggling in their personal walk with God while others are trying to resolve family problems. Pastors are overextended taking care of a few hundred sheep in their church. Yet God is concerned with the salvation of nations. Why are we so unconcerned with the great desire of God's heart? Why is the church failing so miserably in impacting the nations of the earth? It is not God's power that is lacking to accomplish the redemption of nations. And it is not His great love that falls short of the goal. Sadly, it is a lack of vision and passion on the part of his redeemed children that keeps the nations bound in darkness of false religions, lust for power, greed, and every form of human degradation known today. While my journey is far from complete, it has removed me from a focus on my own personal struggles into ever-increasing vision and passion for the redemption of the nations. With every new encounter with God, as I live a life of prayer and fasting, I feel the ache in His loving heart more deeply for the redemption of the earth. And with this increase in vision and passion has come the wisdom and empowerment to reap the harvest in many nations. Not alone, of course. We are not called to bring redemption to the nations single-handedly. But God shows us His plan, connects us with others who inspire us, and connects us to those whom we can inspire to greatness. Together we extend the kingdom of God. Together we witness the miracle of redemption spreading like leaven throughout regions of the earth. The Beginning 
As a Nigerian youth, shortly after I surrendered my life to God, I was notified that I had received a state scholarship and that I could choose to leave Nigeria to study in the USA or the USSR. When I consulted with my pastor, he told me to pray for direction. Later, we continued our conversation, and he gave me this word of wisdom. If you survive in the Soviet Union, you will survive anywhere. I received his counsel and decided to go to the Soviet Union to study journalism at the Belarusian University. Of course, I did not speak Russian. It was very difficult for me to learn the Russian language, which I had to do in order to study for my degree in journalism in a Russian university. My prospects for success seemed bleak, even to my Russian professor. He told me, after several months of slow progress, that he knew I was a believer. He said that he was an atheist. And he told me that if I ever learned to speak Russian, he would light a candle in a Russian Orthodox church. So great was his confidence in my ability to fail in that pursuit. Rather than discourage me, those words became a challenge to me. I remembered my sister's words to me that whenever life seemed difficult, I should remember the promise of Deuteronomy 28, verse 13, and the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath, if you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them. I redoubled my efforts to study Russian, spending long hours in the library after completing my other classes. By the time I graduated, I had become one of the best students in my faculty preparation group. Though my Russian professor did not light a candle as he said he would, he unwittingly gave me the inspiration I needed to conquer that great obstacle to my destiny, mastering the Russian language. Unlikely Prospect Still, I did not understand why God had sent me to that cold, gray country. How can people be so ungodly? I wondered. Black people were not welcome there. I have been called ugly names and scorned in public because of my race. And it was understood that people could be sentenced to jail for their faith in God. I was attending an underground church where we gathered secretly to pray. When I expressed my regrets to my Christian friends, they encouraged me to seek God for his plan for my life, saying that God had brought me there for a reason. As I sought God, I cried out, Why did you bring me to this country, Lord? Please answer me. For many days that was my only prayer. Then something incredible happened. I had an amazing dream, which I dreamed three nights in a row. In the dream, I saw Jesus himself coming to me, and he took me by the hand and led me into my future. I saw myself standing on a stage near a preacher who was very well known at the time, and behind us were a group of key Christian leaders. Jesus came to me, took the microphone out of that preacher's hands, gave it to me, and I began to preach to the great multitude of people there, mostly Europeans. Jesus stood beside me and began to show me sicknesses and problems the people were suffering. As I addressed each person, they immediately received an answer to their problem. I saw a paralyzed woman stand up from her wheelchair, and I saw a blind man receive his sight. There was no end to the miracles and healings I saw in the dream. On the third night, when the dream was especially vivid, I awoke startled and heard a soft voice tell me to open my Bible. As I randomly opened the word, I read from Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed and qualified me to preach the gospel of good tidings to the meek, the poor, and afflicted. He has sent me to bind up and heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the physical and spiritual captives, and the opening of the prison, and of the eyes to those who are bound. 
Isaiah 61.1. The words engulfed me like a mighty wave. Every cell of my body was singing in a thousand voices that seemed to be filling the room. I wondered if my roommates heard anything. I began to panic at the prospect of being involved in what the dream seemed to indicate. I was only 19 years old and had just been a believer for a few months. With these thoughts filling my mind, I felt impressed to read Jeremiah chapter 1, where the Lord answered those questioning doubts. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Jeremiah 1 verse 8 Persecution Begins Not long after that experience, I heard loud banging on my dormitory door. When I answered it, I saw the dean of the preparatory department along with the Communist Party secretary for the dormitory. They were there to take down the picture of Jesus that I had hung above my bed. I was given the choice to be expelled and sent back to Africa or get rid of the picture. I was also reminded that I was in a communist country where the only religion was atheism. It was all right to be a believer in my heart, but the criminal code prohibited religious propaganda. Once again, as when my atheistic Russian professor offered to burn a candle, I was challenged by this religious persecution. I promised myself that I would serve God in such a way that people would know that Christ had given his life for them to set them free from the national darkness of atheism. God was finding a way to put his compassion in my heart for the Soviet people and I determined to tell them his wonderful truth about a life in the kingdom of love, joy, and peace. I spent seven years in Belarus, where I mastered the Russian language and completed a master's degree in journalism, with honors. During my final years there, when the political climate relaxed a little, my Christian friends and I began to go on evangelistic trips to different cities and villages. As we traveled on our way to a town to minister, we would pray, sing, and prophesy during the entire trip which could last for several hours. When we arrived in a town or village, we didn't have to invite people to a meeting because as soon as they saw black people, they came running. Many had never seen a black person, and at times, discrimination against us was intense. But we prayed for people, and they were healed and received Christ as their Savior. During this time, I established a church in Minsk that grew very fast, along with two other churches in the area that I helped to plant. We rented a hall across from a cancer hospital where people who got leukemia after the Chernobyl nuclear disaster came for treatment. We began to invite these cancer patients to our services. The patients would come to our meetings in their hospital attire, and some of them were healed of cancer. When the news spread, a TV crew from a popular youth organization visited one of our services. They interviewed me and broadcast a five-minute segment about our Christian youth movement, as they called it. The program aired on Belarusian national television. It was unheard of at the time to give free airtime to Christian activities and to present them in a positive light. Then, in 1992, my passport was confiscated because of my involvement in evangelism and I was advised to leave the country within two weeks. During that time, I received a message that a commercial TV channel in Kiev, partially owned by a Christian missionary, was looking for a representative in Ukraine. The qualifications for the position were to be a believer, to know Russian and English, and to have a degree in journalism. 
God had prepared me uniquely for those prerequisites. A New Beginning I was accepted for the position in Kiev and started working at the TV station, producing Christian programs and preaching television sermons viewed by many residents of Kiev for almost a whole year. Though I was enjoying my life as a journalist, God began to call me to plant a church in Kiev. It had been very painful to me to have to give up my churches in Belarus, and I did not want to start another church for that reason. Reluctantly, I began to seek God in prayer and fasting for four to six hours a day from July to September. Out of that encounter with God, I understood that I was to begin a home Bible study. I announced on TV that I was starting a Bible group in my home. I began with seven people. Five of those seven people eventually became faithful, effective ministers of God. On February 6, 1994, my evangelistic team held our first three-day crusade in Kiev, which resulted in the establishing of the Word of Faith Church. It would later become the Embassy of God. We began with 49 people. I established a goal to win 100 people a month to the Lord in that city. The spiritual darkness was incredible during those first years. I saw it as a huge dark cloud over the entire city. I cried out to the Lord to raise up a person to remove that cloud. Through much prayer and fasting, we have seen that dark cloud disappear. We have become an instrumental part of the answer to that cry. The Incredible Happens After I moved to Kiev, I was still praying that God would give me the wife that he had planned for me. You can read the story of our romance in my book, Alarunwa, the Roads of Life. God did bring me a beautiful godly wife and has given us three beautiful children. Though the ministry has required that I travel extensively, I have made my family a priority and have determined to make time for them. My wife, Bose, and I cooperate in all family matters. We are happily married and have been able to help others through our testimony, publishing a book called Successful Marriage Takes Work. What has happened in the last 20 years, which I have referred to briefly in this text, can only be described as a miracle. Besides our megachurch in Ukraine, which currently has 25,000 members, there have been over 1,000 churches planted in 50 nations during these years. In an interview by the Washington Post, they described me as, quote, a black man in the country noted for its rampant racism, a Protestant in a country known as the birthplace of the Russian Orthodox Church. He is a foreigner whose vibrant style of preaching, accompanied with electronic keyboards and pretty dancing girls and singing on the stage, somehow clashes with the traditional and reserved view of faith that Ukrainians adhere to, sharing the message of hope and redemption. End quote. Persecution has continued as the influence of the church has increased in the city and in the nation. I am under close watch by the state security service, have been threatened by the mafia have been the victim of several lawsuits. The newspaper has published articles accusing me of all kinds of sins, from having links to a financial Ponzi scheme to drug dealing. These are hardships that I willingly endure because I believe I am fulfilling the plan of God for my life. If I had chosen my desire, I would have served God in a Protestant country where people honor preachers instead of insulting them and accusing them publicly of sins they have not committed. I have ministered in over 60 countries around the world, and people don't treat me disrespectfully like they do in Ukraine. But I came to Ukraine in obedience to God, and these slanderous accusations are a humbling experience for me. 
They are part of the sacrifice I give to God, denying myself and taking up my cross to follow Him. And I view my accusers not as enemies, but as catalysts that propel me forward to fulfill the passion of God's heart and defeat His enemies. I bless these enemies with the love of God, and I pray for the people of Ukraine that God will forgive them, show mercy to them, and save them. Today, despite all the slander and false accusations against me in Ukraine and all over the world, the kingdom of God keeps on advancing with force. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Matthew eleven twelve. The following statistics of the Embassy of God Church reflect the reality that God is building His church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In 15 years, beginning from nothing, the following has been achieved by the grace of God. Embassy of God Church has raised up 2,000 churches in 50 countries, 35 churches in Kiev, more than 25,000 members, over 200 rehabilitation centers for drug and alcohol addicts, 5,000 people have been set free from addiction, 600 NGOs. 260 schools from which more than 23,000 people have graduated. Trust Line, where thousands of phone calls are received from people asking for help. I want to encourage you that any church, any community of believers that are joined for the common purpose of extending the kingdom, can achieve these kinds of influence and statistics. When the church leaves the four walls, miracles happen. The city is impacted and the kingdom reigns with power. I challenge you to dare to do church in a new way. Teaching Kingdom Principles As a pastor of a local church, my heart is burdened for the end-time harvest that I believe is to become a worldwide revival. While I am encouraged at the wonderful results we are having in our church in Kiev, Ukraine, I long to see those same results and greater revival come to my precious brothers and sisters in other nations as well. As I mentioned, my church... In Kiev, over 2 million people have given their hearts to Christ at our altar. This harvest of souls has not come through large crusades or other conventional evangelism methods. It is a direct result of teaching my congregation these principles of the kingdom. They understand that their priority in life is to develop a lifestyle that will leaven the sphere of society where they are called to minister, to reap a harvest and restore the kingdom of God to the earth. All new converts who come to the church receive instruction through training classes that help them discover their personal mandate as a Christian to extend the principles and lifestyle of the kingdom on the earth. They understand that their purpose as a believer is to restore the glory of God to the earth. They are taught practically how to live a Christian life and are instructed in the God-given purpose for which they were born. We help them discover their promised land and motivate them to extend the kingdom of God in that sphere of influence. New converts are not encouraged simply to become choir members or ushers or to pursue classical ministry as a pastor. Of course, if they have these giftings and desire to serve, they should do so. Service in local churches is a natural function for every believer, which is important for their growth in God. And if God calls some to become pastors, we equip them to that end. But the goal of our local church for new believers is not to fill their time in organized church activities and programs. It is the responsibility of the local church to teach believers kingdom principles to equip them to do the work of the ministry in their sphere of influence. 
We teach them that every person is born to fulfill a particular purpose in extending the kingdom of God on the earth. Their purpose in life is to develop a lifestyle that will make them salt and light on the earth. Their passion must be to become the person Christ intended for them, to be to carry his kingdom into a godless society and reclaim it, filling the earth with his glory. That is why Jesus said to seek first the kingdom. When you are born again, you are brought into the kingdom to find your destiny, to help increase the kingdom on the earth. In my church, I train new believers that they are here for only one purpose, which is to advance the kingdom. I teach them that salvation does not just assure you of having your sins forgiven and your peace with God restored. It presents you as well with the responsibility to deny yourself, to take your ego off the throne of your life, and to acknowledge the lordship of Jesus. Without apology, Jesus declared, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Matthew 16, 24. The Apostle Paul echoed this reality when he declared, I die daily, 1 Corinthians 15, 31. And he explained his selfless motivation for living out these words. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20 Paul understood that he could no longer live for himself, his own purpose or pleasure. His life was surrendered to the Christ within, who would be glorified and his government increased through Paul's actions. Focused on the Kingdom The purpose of every Christian is the same, to glorify Christ and extend his kingdom on the earth, to bring it into alignment with his will. But because the world is so vast, he has given certain talents, abilities, and gifts to each individual, which makes them unique. No two people are alike, and each person has a specific calling, a designated assignment or mission to take dominion of his or her promised land and advance the government of God on the earth. Everyone has a passion for something. When I have conversations with my members, I ask them what their passion is, what part of the world they are redeeming back for God. What is their promised land into which they focus on bringing the kingdom lifestyle? Because we train believers to seek first the kingdom and to discover their personal destiny, it is unusual that one of them would not know his or her mission in life. They are on a journey to discover where they are to be involved to restore the kingdom of God to the earth. A majority of my members will be able to respond specifically to those questions unless they are brand new believers. In that case, they are encouraged to enroll in the School of Discovery we have established to teach them how to discover their mission as a Christian to be a God-carrier. They understand that salvation does not just involve receiving Christ to be forgiven of their sins so they can go to heaven. He placed the kingdom inside of them because he has a mission for them to accomplish. As believers, we are his resources, and he does not waste his resources. Teamwork for Success You don't do your vision alone. Reaping a harvest is not about one person with a vision struggling to make a mark in any sphere of influence. It is about multiplication of vision and laborers who can carry out that vision in a much shorter time and more effectively. To reclaim a region for the kingdom, it is necessary to work together with others who have the same burden. For example, the lady in our church who is reaching into the sphere of education and speaking to students using her morality curriculum is training a team to work with her. 
she will never be able to reclaim the whole sphere of education in our city alone. So we train others who have the personal burden for redeeming the educational system by establishing the principles of the kingdom in the lives of students and teachers. They have a list of 350 schools in our area, and their agenda is to be able to get into every school with their programs to gradually bring the influence of the kingdom of God to each one. We are not trying to claim only one school. We are working to reclaim every school-aged child for the kingdom of God. After that, we expect to do the same in every city in our nation. That's our strategy for reclaiming this generation for the kingdom of God. At first, she had a team of only 10 people, and I told her there are too many schools to reach for such a small team. It will take too long. So we announced in church that anyone who has a burden for schools should attend her training classes. She presents a training school twice a year for a week to train people who are interested in going to schools for a week with her curriculum. Every year, she trains about 600 team members and gives them a recommendation and certificate that opens the door for them in the school system. Because she has already established a reputation in the schools for teaching children a curriculum of moral living and helping them to think about strong life choices, other schools are open to that curriculum. Now that the team is growing, we can be presenting these kingdom principles in 100 schools at the same time. When you establish outreaches like this in every sphere of life, with more and more people functioning in their calling to reclaim their sphere for the kingdom, many more people get saved. This living cycle continues with each new convert. They are empowered to discover their calling, get training, and are discipled to bring the kingdom influence into their world. In every sphere of life, our church members are allowing God's love to shine through them and meeting the needs of people, bringing souls to Christ one by one. Great Expectations A kingdom-driven life is God's provision, His instrument on the earth to extend the kingdom of heaven, the influence of the king, to all the earth. The church is the greatest platform for extending and promoting the kingdom of God throughout the earth. God established the church as a means to prepare believers to embrace the gospel of the kingdom and become God-carriers, filled with faith and maturing in the character of Christ. His government must increase. The ultimate goal is that the church extend the principles of the kingdom as the primary governing principles in the nations of the earth. No one is created by God and called to his kingdom simply to promote a ministry or build a strong church. Everyone is called to promote God and extend his dominion on the earth. Your goal as a pastor of a local church is to make your church a platform on which you preach the message of the kingdom as the priority of life for every believer. According to the scriptures, you are to help every member of your church to discover their promised land and to become effective in permeating the earth like leaven, spreading the dominion of God's kingdom everywhere. Instead of cloistering themselves within the four walls of the church, believers need to wield their godly influence in every sphere of life where God calls them to serve. You might be called to excel in the high-tech world of computers. You may be called to be a businessman in the area of retail clothing. You may have found your calling in working the land to produce crops or in education, sports, or in the world of media. You may reap a wonderful harvest in the social sphere where so many needy people are desperate to hear the good news of the gospel. Don't ever doubt the power of God's greatness to impact that sphere with his lordship. 
to infuse supernatural ideas and wisdom into your mind so that you will succeed and become the head and not the tail. He will give you authority in the area of your calling so that no other power can hinder or eliminate you. The divine power that is in you cannot be stopped. As you get to know the source of that power, Christ in you, the hope of glory, you will succeed above all others in your area of expertise. That power will make you reign in life through your sphere of influence, extending the principles of the kingdom of God and conquering that territory for him. Don't limit the extent of your fruitfulness. You are given talents and gifts, and the power of Almighty God is in you to be productive. You should never be satisfied with minimal productivity, but go forth and increase through multiplication with the goal of transferring more citizens to the kingdom and the goal that the principles of the kingdom of God would be extended throughout the entire earth. In every sphere of life, as leaven that leavens the whole lump, you can become more than conquerors. You are trusted by God to go and take back the earth, the nations, for the king. To complete that assignment, he has made the unlimited power of God available to you. You are the hope of the world. Those are not just words. Their reality must be realized through your actions. That divine power is not to lie dormant within you through your ignorance or lack of understanding. If the economy of your nation is to be revived and restored, it is your responsibility. If government is to enact laws that are based on godly standards, you will have to invade the political arena. You can't live in hope that unbelievers will restore the financial or political health of the country. You are anointed by God and entrusted with His power to do exploits. Go and compel the adoption of kingdom principles in your business or other sphere of life. Go in faith to extend the dominion of the king. Don't go to negotiate or compromise or worse to fail. I have preached to my congregation that within 10 years I expect the members of my church to be some of the most respected individuals in our country. Based on understanding the power of God working in us, that is not wishful thinking. It is reality. That should be our expectation because of the power of the Lord in us is to enable and to, quote, give us all things that pertain to life and godliness, end quote, 2 Peter 1, 2. The goal of the Apostle Paul was not to establish churches or preach the gospel of Christ on the whole earth. His expectation was much loftier than that. He declared, Christ in you the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Colossians 1, 27-29 That is why I will never be satisfied to have the largest church in Europe. I tell members of my church not to go out and boast that they are members of the biggest church in the country. Our goal is much greater than that. We are in his church, planted in this nation to extend God's authority and bring this nation to the feet of the Lord Jesus. We labor to bring all to the knowledge of Christ so that we can equip every believer to become perfect in his destiny and calling on the earth. When every member of the church becomes effective in impacting their sphere of life to God, we will be true representatives of the body of Christ on the earth. Until we do that, we have not even begun to fulfill the kingdom purpose. Then, we will move forward to fulfill the great desire of God's heart for the other nations as well. 
one day we will say with John the Revelator, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Revelation 7, 9 and 10. If you are willing for your vision to be enlarged, to have greater expectations of the power of redemption working in your life, your family, your church, community, your nation, and the nations of the earth, then I earnestly encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, please forgive me for not having greater expectations of the power of your grace working in and through me. Please let me know your heartbeat for the nations, for all the peoples of the earth. And let me be a part of reclaiming territory for your kingdom to come to earth. I surrender more completely to your sovereign will for my life and determine to seek you until I am firmly planted in my promised land. Help me to be an effective part of the kingdom-driven life, filled with revelation and knowledge of the passion of your loving heart. Let me be part of the answer to our Lord's petition, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Thank you for answering this prayer. In your name I pray. Amen. Kingdom Principles from Chapter 9 Number 1. God's great heart of love cannot be satisfied until He sees the nations that He loves bowing in worship before Him. Number 2. God was finding a way to put His compassion in my heart for the Soviet people and I determined to tell them his wonderful truth about a life in the kingdom of love, joy, and peace. Number three, as a pastor of a local church, my heart is burdened for the end-time harvest that I believe is to become a worldwide revival. Number four, the harvest of souls in our church has not come through large crusades or other conventional evangelism methods. It is a direct result of teaching my congregation the principles of the kingdom. Number five, We teach new converts that every person is born to fulfill a particular purpose in extending the kingdom of God throughout the earth. Number six, when I have conversations with my members, I ask them what their passion is, what part of the world they are redeeming back for God. Number seven, a kingdom-driven life is God's provision, his instrument on the earth to extend the kingdom of heaven, the dominion of the king, to all the earth. Number eight, Go and enforce the kingdom principles in your business or other sphere of life. Go in faith to conquer. Don't go to negotiate or compromise or worse, to fail. Number nine. We are in this church, planted in this nation, to extend God's lordship and bring this nation to the feet of the Lord Jesus. Number ten. And one day we will say with John the Revelator in Revelation 7, 9 through 10, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. Amen.